You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. What makes a plant a succulent? Are all succulent plants related? How do succulent plants make the most of the few resources that they have access to in the arid habitats you'll naturally find them? Jackie Warburton is a horticulturist that works with her husband Brett in their garden maintenance business Terra Solaris. She also writes a garden column for City News Magazine in Canberra and is a guest garden presenter at ABC 666 Radio. In this episode, she's going to unravel the mysteries of succulent plants so we can gain a deeper understanding of this popular type of plant. G'day Jackie, welcome to the show, how are you going? Alright, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Look, I think this is a very interesting topic and I think a lot of people care a lot about succulents. They're very popular, especially in this day and age where people want a quick plant that they can get you know, a lot of benefits from without really putting a lot of effort into. But Jackie, can you start us off by telling us what is a succulent and what makes them different from other plants? Well, um, it, it starts with a photosynthesis process and how the plants can actually take up nutrients um, and that's an, a, an adaptation that they've had um, to periodic watering supplies. So they are able to store water in dry times and then release it when they need to to the plants, so, which really does make them quite unique to, to other plants as well. Um, there's a there's at least five to ten percent of um, plants that are cam plants, which are crassulation acid metabolism plants, and I'll explain that uh, a little bit more uh, later. So I guess it's not just cacti, is it? No, no, they're succulents as well. Do succulent plants have a special way of storing water? Well, they do. They do have a special way of storing water, and and that they store their water in the in the roots and the leaves, and they transpire at a different time, which is why they are categorised as a crassulation acid metabolism because they open their stomatas at night time, whereas most plants that we have in our everyday garden open their stomatas in the daytime to transpire and to photosynthesize and to uh, to release. Uh, oxygen and, and, and draw in carbon dioxide. So succulents are completely different because they do all of that at night time and that is why they're so botanically so different to all other plants. Mm, absolutely. So I guess most plants will yeah release those gases and the water vapours and stuff like that during the day when they're photosynthesising. But why would a succulent plant go the opposite way? Like what, what helps them? Like why would they do that? Well, they do that because they need to uh, store their um, their energy, and uh, and most cam plants like a really really hot temperature, so they've evolved to store water and release it at night time when when there is uh, less temperature, and and most cam plants uh, like like it really hot. Uh, they like a hot, dry environment, whereas your C3 plants and your C4 plants like a cool, wet environment and your dry, sunny environment. So it, it's it's those arid-type environments that um, cactus and succulents have learned to adapt to. Wonderful. Jackie, we're going to talk about the C3, C4 and cam plants briefly, but 
before we get there, yes. can you tell us what is the Calvin cycle? The Calvin cycle is a very complex cycle uh, that um, is called Robusco for, for us uh, non, non-technical people. And it's an, an, it's an enzyme that's uh, called rubulose bisulfate carbonase oscanase. And that's, that's botanically <laughs> way too much for me to get. So we just shorten that uh, terminology to Robusco. And it's an enzyme that mixes up inside the mesocells, which are inside the the leaf cells of the plants and uh, botanically that's a rabbit hole for me <laughs> so I just uh, <laughs> normally stay above the surface and uh, quite easy to say the Calvin cycle uh, works during the day for C- C3 plant C4 plant but at night time the Calvin cycle works at night time and then uh, after the Calvin cycle, the Calvin cycle has four different processes. So there's a carbon fixation, there's a reduction phase, there's a carbohydrate formation and a regeneration phase. And out of all of that comes the sugars in the plant to give the plant energy to grow. So the Calvin cycle is a very, very important process in all plants to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do and and botanically they're the same thing. Um, And we can split C3 plants and C4 plants up again a little bit later and I can explain the differences again between those two as well. Mm. So it's the same cycle, it's just they've switched out doing one particular function at day for doing it at night because they like to live in arid areas where there's not a whole lot of water and if they're transpiring all day long, they're going to die much more quickly. Well, that's exactly right. And and so you see three plants, uh, the plants that we have in our environment that like cool, wet environments and, and, and plants that wilt like a hydrangea or um, they, those really common um, everyday plants that, that we have uh, in, in our gardens. Um, and, and C4 plants are a little tougher than that. Um, but, but generally that's um, 85% of our plants are C three plants and so that includes all trees and uh and it also um um it's the cool wet environment so um that yeah they open their stomatas during the day um and their leaf structures have much larger pore spaces the stomatas in the leaves are a lot bigger so they open and 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 let it rip they 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 want Mm. to bring in as much carbon dioxide bring in as much water and, and try to grow as fast as they can so so Botanically, most of our plants are all of those and uh, and they, they don't have an atomic structure to avoid the phototranspiration. They just, they just keep going and try to do it as fast as they can. So they're releasing so much more oxygen into the earth and, and trying to grab as much carbon dioxide as they can. Um, but, uh, and so that's just um, in general. Uh, the C3 plants like an optimum temperature of around 25 degrees. Um, and, and so botanically, uh, you would understand that most of the C3 plants are diacots. So they have a two seed structure. So we're, we're going back to school here in uh, horticultural school and we're remembering what our diacots and our monocots are because this is where we break up all of that process. So they're a, a broadleaf plant and uh, that they have um, 
veins and a midrib and all of those sorts of things. Um, and their vascular bundles, when you look at them under a microscope, are in rings, whereas we find that they are different to the other types of plants that we have. And their floral parts are in, in, in lots of four and five. So, so this is where your monocots and your diacots split up botanically as well. So you see four plants. There's only 3% of these plants that are in the, in the world. And they are really, really important because what defines them different to a C3 plant is a, a bundle sheath that is around the vascular system, so the phloem and the xylem. So the phloem is uh, where the water comes uh in and the xylem is where the water comes out and the air spaces and so the bundle sheath is a, a commonly we know as a grass grasses if we remember back in school that they had a sheath and that's what makes them botanically different to c3s and c4s so in a nutshell we should be looking at trying to grow as many c four plants in our gardens and more grasses and more sedges and plants that are slower to photosynthesize and 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 don't use as much water don't spread out as much carbon dioxide and um, so we need to educate people exactly the differences between the two of those so therefore um, we can grow plants for the earth in, in a much better way mm. So they're going to be less uh, likely to fall victim to some of those, um, yeah, environmental factors such as heat and stuff, especially stuff yes. like that. And I suppose dry heat specifically, right? That's correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're, it's really important to uh, to make sure that we understand the, the botanical makeup of plants. So then uh, we can choose uh, better choices in our gardens for plants mm. that are going to be better for the environment over a long term. Mm, with climate change. Yes, that's correct, yeah. And how do CAM plants fit in? Like how, how do succulent plants fit in? Are, are, do, you, do you reckon that they're a good option for people's gardens in, for a, a, an environmental and sustainability point of view? Well, they are because they do, uh, they have uh, much smaller stomata, so they have much smaller breathing holes and they they keep their stomatas closed during the day and then they open them at night time where the temperature is cooler and then that they can absorb moisture from the desert um, and they've got other adaptations like um, spines and hairs and things that would capture more water. They grow a lot slower um, but, but certainly um, from a botanical point of view, they are the most highly efficient environmental plant to grow. Mm. Can you speak a little bit more on some of the other tactics other than the Calvin cycle adaptations? Um, yeah, what else are succulents doing that are really helping them in those harsh environments? Well, they're, they're conserving as much water and they don't need, they don't wilt, they don't um, open up their stomatas all the time during the day they just open them quite slowly and um and there there's not a lot of plants that are uh cam plants um there's um around 30 plant families and they and you know so it's not only uh cacti it's uh, also orchids and bromeliads and pineapples their other uh plant families have uh found this adaptation so so 
grow pineapples. That's one of the best environmental plants you can grow in the, in the world because of, of how, they, uh, how they breathe in the environment and, and, you know, shut down during the day when it's really hot. Uh, so, so all succulents are cam plants except for one plant, persica. Um, and that is, a, that is the only succulent that is a C3 plant because it has modified leaves as well as a spine. So when you're talking about cam plants, they are on their own because of their, their opening of their stomatas. And, and some cam plants also have a, a bundle sheath like a C4, but generally they don't. Right. So you'd mentioned the spines and, you know, there are also thorns and spikes and you've got a whole lot of different names for a very similar looking structure. So how would spines help a succulent plant? Like are they helping um, get, um, you know, condensation in the morning? What's going on with the spines? Is it just that they're preventing herbivores from sucking all that valuable juice out of them? What's going on there? The, the most distinctive feature um is, is the spines, and that's where most people can recognise that, uh, that what they are as, as a cactus. Um, and a spine is a modified leaf, not a thorn. So that is something botanically that is uh, quite, quite different. And I suppose a thorn would be a modified stem, would it? That's correct, yes, yes. So, uh, no, that's okay. So, yeah, so there's um, mechanical protection from animals is really important. They're, um, the spines are there as a camouflage, so animals can't see them. Mm. Um, and uh, they, they're there to reflect light and uh, reduce some of the evaporation um, and, and to condense the fog that comes in and, and turns into liquid drops and, and runs down the, the stems of a lot of cacti, like a saguaro or something, and then gives the, the moisture and the water to the base of the plant where it needs it the most. Mm. Yeah, good luck trying to find water through the day, hey? I guess through the night's the only time when a lot of those plants are going to be able to, yeah, catch that water vapour in the air because by daytime it's gone. That's correct. <laughs> yep. No, that's right. Yeah. So, and uh, and most of the uh, succulents and cacti will open their stomatas in the morning and 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 release uh, a little bit of uh, the oxygen, but they reserve it overnight, and that's that's that is a really really um, botanically important thing that that's what they do. So technically, we should water our succulents at night time, but we don't do that because that's just what we do in the garden we always say we need to water them in the morning um, and make sure their leaves are dry before they're at night time and things like that so technically and botanically we should be watering them at night but that's not what we do yeah no and we also put um you know these beautiful big succulents in our melbourne gardens in clay and um, we do all sorts of things that we probably shouldn't be doing no, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the flowers are um, are also uh, fascinating. Um, the flowers only come from the aerols of of a of a cactus, um, and uh, so there there are many single flowers, and um, and some some cactus will have a a ring of flowers, um, and they won't have any flowers over uh, the whole base of the plant, like a memoralia, for example. Um, and uh, but there's other uh, 
cacti that do have um, a different flowering all over the stem, like um, 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 what am I thinking? Um, well, a, an apuntia only has uh, flowers on the tops of the pads. Um, so, so botanically they're quite different and that's how we can tell uh, we we can we can work out the names of them because of where the flower structures are on most of the cacti as well. Cacti are so fascinating. They're such weird little plants as well because what you think of as the leaf is actually a stem, and then you know the spines, yep. as you say, they're the leaves, and then those little areoles, those little I suppose they're called areoles, so I suppose you can call them nipples around a, around a cactus. Those are the nodes. <laughs> that's 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 correct. Yes, yes, that's right. They are, yeah, and, and so and 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 that is what separates a cactus from a succulent. So this is where we always, I, one of my questions I always ask is: a cactus is a succulent, but a succulent isn't a cactus mm. because a cactus only has areoles. Succulents mm. do not have areoles. And so that is is the defining difference between a cactus and a succulent. So a succulent will have a lot fleshier leaf, like a, a euphorbia, for example, whereas euphorbias don't have an areole or they don't have uh, any spines. They do have spines, but they don't have areoles. So it's it's really um, it's really interesting how it's all split up and 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 uh, and how they grow. Yeah, you mentioned the euphorbias there. That's one that a lot of people trip up on. And it's actually quite funny, you know, maybe sometimes you'll be down at the pub with a mate and then he'd be like, oh, look at that cactus because he knows that I'm the plant guy. And I have to tell him that's not a cactus, <laughs> mate. <laughs> it's a euphorbia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it doesn't have the areoles. It doesn't have those little glockoids and the little spines that are hanging out of it. Um, I mean, they, they euphorbias are an amazing uh diverse variety of, of spurges um, and uh, I, I think they, uh, they're probably one of my all-time favourite species to look at because you can have a Euphorbia mycenites or, you know, you, you can have, uh, you know, a, a Euphorbia milii, you know, and they're totally different looking plants and, in fact, the flowers are so tiny that they have bracts like around them and they don't look like they have bracts but but under a microscope they they are fascinating uh, botanical plants and, and such a, a diverse range in just in that genus alone. So we've talked about quite a few different plants that are all succulents they're not closely related so we've got cacti we've got um, you know bromeliads we've got a bunch of euphorbias many euphorbias um, and I suppose we've also got, you know, aloe veras and crassulaceae as well was one family. I don't think we could really do a succulent episode without touching on the crassula family. What what do, can you tell us about the crassula family? Well, the crassula family was the first family that they discovered the CAN, the crassulation acid metabolism. So that's where botanically that name comes from. Um, and, and again, they're a really diverse family of plants as well. We've got Australian uh, crassulaceae plants um, and uh, they, they are plants that really hold water in their leaves and 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 photosynthesize um the the same as 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 other cacti um but but they are fascinating they really really are there's so many different uh types and and the flowers are really quite different um mm. and, and and they do survive in quite harsh environments and and so 
I think uh, everybody should have um, a crassula in their collection somewhere in their garden. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Even if it's just a jade tree, a little jade money tree, they call them, even though there's a lot of different jade trees. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you've got your, co- uh, is it, what's the genus? Cotyl- it sounds like cotyledon. Cotyledonus. Uh, cotyledons. Cotyledons. That's cotyledons, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cotyledons are, 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 are really tough. They've, they've got a, a big uh, a big leaf on, on them, some of them, or, or, mm. or big chelata does, um, and uh, they, there's a silver form. Um, they're mm. a great landscape plant and uh, and they're really tough and, uh, you know, you, you can just sort of chop them off once a year and, 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 you know, stick that cutting straight into the ground. So they propagate really well, succulents, because they, they have um, all the water stored in their roots, you you, you can cut them off and, and um, either leave them to dry on the top of a bit of soil or plant them and, uh, and, and you don't really need to water them in like you would ordinary plants that you, you would have like your C3 plants in the garden. Mm, wonderful. And one thing I've been taught is to let that wound heal a little bit before you put it in. It might take a week or so just for it to sort of scab over so it's not a fresh wound because that can make the plant vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so that's uh, callusing, and and that's very common with other fleshy plants like geraniums and and um, and orchids and all sorts of things like that as well. But you certainly can do that and and let them. And quite often, if you leave them long enough, you'll find that the cambium layer within that structure will show out some roots. And if you've got some roots naturally growing on that, you can plant them straight away. So, so succulents are a very good plant for children. To, to, to grow and, and understand and they can see uh, physically in such a short period of time how how they can grow roots and how they can grow something uh, into into a flower so quickly. Yeah. Look, there's one obvious question here I'd like to ask you. I think a lot of our listeners probably already know the answer, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least touch on it. What sort of a potting medium are we looking at for most succulents? For, for most succulents, the most important thing is drainage. Because there is so much moisture and water within the root system of the plant, they need to be able to have water drain away from them. So it doesn't really matter about how much water you give them. It just needs to be uh, moved away from the roots of the plant shortly after it's been watered. So if plants are sitting, uh, if the root system is sitting in water, then that will cause rot. So using a nice sharp uh, river sand, um, not not a not a beach sand or, <laughs> or not a, a bricky sand, not yellow brick or, or, or brown brick or anything. A, a good river sand that's got lots of sharp angles and um, and a good quality potting mix that doesn't have a lot of fertilizer in it will also help as well. Why why the sharp why the sharp edges on the river stones? How does that help? Well, what that does is is aid the airfield porosity within the soil structure. So, um, if we've got air holes in the in the structure, the plants can breathe and then they can grow roots. They can uh, receive moisture. Um, but if we try to grow uh, cactus and succulent in really heavy clay, then that that soil particles are quite compacted and there's no air holes there. So, so the the sand doesn't provide nutrients. It, all it does is provide drainage. So that's 
really, really probably the most important thing. And any plantings, landscaping or potting, I would use at least 50% sharp sand in any of my media, whether it's in the garden or in a pot. Uh, that's just that's just paramount. That's the number one rule. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay, so I guess that uh, porosity, the pores in that rock, that's the same thing as why we use vermiculite or perlite and stuff like that. It's because we're getting air yep. around those roots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, um, I think uh, vermiculite, um, again, bulks up a material so it, it's, it's a cheaper and lighter process. So when you're selling pots and things like that, they're not as heavy because we don't use uh, soils in potting mix or anything like that. Um, and they they display very little nutrients. But uh, I think mm -hmm. vermiculite has a little bit of uh, nutrients, but, but perlite doesn't. And, and again, yeah, so mixing any of those will certainly aid with that air fill porosity that, you, that you're actually need and you know if you if you're doing up a lot of uh, plants then that's a lot of potting media and if you can extend the potting media to go further then it's a cheaper option all around absolutely you mentioned fertilizer there too is there a, are there any general rules around fertilizing succulent plants Generally, they need to be low in nitrogen because they don't need the, 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 the green pigments to grow as fast. But what they do need is lots of phosphorus and they need lots of potassium. So the potassium is for flowers and the phosphorus is for good root growth and good strong cell growth. So we, we tend to back off using high nitrogen because if we give our plants too much nitrogen, then particularly a cactus so a lovely golden ball will tend to split because it can't grow as fast as it's taking up all of that nitrogen. So nitrogen is one of the main um, minerals that we would reduce uh, in feeding our plants. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned green pigment there. How do yes. green pigments within, you know, succulents, is it the same chlorophyll as other plants or is there something different going on there or chloroplasts? What's going on? Well, the chloroplast is um, the tiny round structures in the cell um, within the leaf. So it, it really can only be seen under a, under a, a microscope. But that's where all the, the energy and, and, and food uh, comes in. And, and the chlorophyll is inside that chlorophyll chloroplast and the chlorophyll um, is um, very good for um, the green color and that's where th that's um, th th a really important structure within the leaf because that's where the solar energy comes in to the plants we've touched on chlorophyll and stuff like that in the past um, particularly with gabrielle stannis's episode on indoor plants but I mean, I guess what we're talking about there, pigment, green, we're talking about photosynthesis. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. I mean, chlorophyll uh, will, will turn uh, light into energy um, and, and convert the carbon dioxide into the sugars and that's, that's where the Calvin cycle all comes into it. But, um, but, but yeah, and, and, and the chlorophyll is ultimately where all plants get their green colour and so sometimes that's where it's uh, rare and interesting to find a variegated plant um, and so there, where the white parts of the plant, there is no 
chlorophyll within that part. And so therefore, um, variegated plants will grow a lot slower than something that has a full green leaf. Um, and, and I think uh, Gabrielle would have probably touched on, on that as well with uh, in indoor plants and, and how important it is to, to, to get that, uh, that, that solar cell, the chlorophyll working. That, that is, that's, that's the, the nuts and bolts of, of, of botanically how plants grow and, and where the, everything begins. But the only difference is, as we said at the start of the episode, succulent plants are taking in that sunlight through the day, but they're not really doing a whole lot with it till the night when they can open up their systems again. Yep, that's correct. Yep, yep, that's right. So, Jackie, is there anything that most people just don't know about succulents that we haven't touched on yet? Oh, look, I think everybody knows that they're, they're unusual plants um, and, and I think a lot of people didn't really understand why they are different and and that's why i like to 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 research this um the adaptations um have evolved over time so i think for from from our human perspective we can see evolution before our eyes to how plants you know have been a c3 plant and how they're evolutionizing through the process and we get to see uh, a, a cactus um, that that is um, adapting to our, our drier environments now and into the future. Mm. And I suppose that's evolutionary divergence too, convergence rather. That's correct. Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah. So one thing I did uh, want to to explain to some people is the differences between a C three plant and a C4 plant. Um, so the best way I can explain this is in grasses, for example. So a cool seasons grass is a C3 plant that likes more water, more temperature, and a C4 plant is a warm seasons grass. So if we're wanting to think about some grasses that we grow in our gardens, for example, then the more C4 plants, which are your cooch and your kokuyu and your buffaloes, are more environmentally friendly to use in the garden opposed to a cool seasons grass like a fescue or a bluegrass or a rye. So so while this, this conversation mm. is about cactus, it's also about plants in general and how we can educate ourselves to grow better choices within our gardens. And, and when we're touching on grasses, the C3 and the C4, this is exactly how weed and feed works. So this is where we have an understanding of, of um, you know, the monocots and the diacots and, and spraying one out and not the other because they're botanically different. They're a C3 and a C4. So, so horticulturally, weed and feed, this is where this example comes back through from. Yeah, wonderful. And so I guess, yeah, because these plants aren't closely related, because this CAM, C3, C4, these aren't things that only belong to a particular group of plants, right? So these are That's right. distributed out amongst all plants. So all plants can sort of, I guess, over millions of years, they must be able to switch to one and then switch back again, depending on the environment, I imagine. Well, it does, yeah, and I think there's there's always studies, always studies to uh, to to see how that is going. Um, and, and we have a very arid environment in Australia, so um, we find that there are a lot of studies into Australian succulents and 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 how they're evolving because our environments are, uh, you know, are some of the eldest, the oldest in the world. Mm-hmm. 
Can you briefly touch on some Australian succulents? Roughly there's about uh, 700 uh, endemic vascular plants uh, that are CAM plants, uh, but that is only 6% of natives, uh, and then most are epiphytes and a few are terrestrial. So epiphytes are plants that grow in trees and above the ground, and the terrestrial plants are the ones that grow on the ground. So we're talking about orchid, orchidaceas, uh, dendrobriums, docrillas, uh, calendrinias, crassulas. So there's a whole world of Australian plants out there that we could grow in our gardens and make sure that they are cam plants and that we are putting the most environmentally friendly plants in our gardens that need the least amount of water and um, and, and, and are just good plants all around. And that will stand the test of time. I love that. Jackie, I've got two more questions for you. Firstly, you're a member of the Australian Institute of Horticulture just like me. Why did you join the Australian Institute of Horticulture? I, I first heard about them when I finished my studies uh, way back in uh, the early 2000s and, and I joined in 2015 because I wanted to extend my knowledge of plants and, uh, and, and be educated more with some of the uh, seminars and things that the Institute uh, are around. And it, it's really important to be around like-minded people. We network, we, we share ideas, um, we share problems plants so um, I, I tend to find that it, it's it's a great community of, of horticultural based people that that just love plants and and mm. you know I, I I think I think it's a it's a wonderful group of people it is a wonderful group of people it's good for networking and you also work at the IH too is that right yeah, I've been on the National Council since 2017. I've worked really hard behind the scenes to uh, to work on a lot of documentation, which is not, not really the exciting part of it all with uh, the Constitution and Memorandum of Understandings <laughs> and those sorts of things. But um, I get I educate myself by, by putting a challenge out there to, to, to where we can go further to collaborate with uh, other industries and, and, and mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy doing doing the, the hard work like that. Um, and, yeah, I, I enjoy being on the council. Um, we're, we're a vibrant team. We do a lot of hard work behind the scenes and uh, a lot of members really just don't see how much work does go on behind, um, you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. We're always talking. We're always uh, building ideas to, uh, to make the organisation a lot better than what, what it ever has been. Mm. And I think that that sort of shines through as well. What a wonderful organization. At the end of every episode, Jackie, I always like to ask our guests, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? And I know that you listen to the show, so you already know that it doesn't have to be on topic. It can be about anything you'd like to talk about. I just think everybody should uh, grow a plant, grow a garden. I, I, I strongly believe that Every human will come past horticulture sometime in their life, whether it is a child growing a plant on a windowsill, it could be a Venus flytrap, or whether it's somebody in an office with a potted plant, whether we get to an older age and we we want to grow a tomato. I think we should educate all walks of life and all ages of, of life because horticulture 
is everything. It's what we eat, it's what we breathe, and what we enjoy. And I and I I I, I don't take that for granted. But I think it's important to educate a lot more people that how important horticulture is, and 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 how rewarding a horticultural career can be. Um, you know, you could be a professional weed puller like myself, or you could you know you could build green walls, or you could uh, you know you could be a, a biologist, a scientist. You, there's so many diverse roles within horticulture so there's a job for everybody but I think the first thing everybody should grow a plant sometime in their life I love that Jackie thank you so much for a wonderful episode thank you if you'd like to hire Jackie and Brett Warburton to maintain a garden check out the Terra Solaris website in the show notes this is episode 109 of the plants grow here podcast And if you like this sort of content, you'll find plenty more just like it by scrolling through our back catalogue. Check out episode 106, Therapeutic Horticulture, Gardening for Health and Wellbeing. Episode 103, Intro to Orchids, Orchidaceae Family. Or episode 85, Become a Landscape Business Owner. Don't forget to follow the Plants Grow Here podcast and hit the bell icon or turn notifications on in your favourite app so you don't miss out on weekly episodes.